Hello and welcome. It's August the 1st, 2022, as we record this. This is the first episode of the Leicester City Discord podcast. My name is H2, and I am here with Madlock and Philly Blue Army. Well, hello there. And we are going to start off because the Premier League season kicks off in under a week now. And we have just played our final pre-season game. So we're going to do a quick review of pre-season and look ahead at the Premier League season coming up. And we plan to release one of these every week, assuming we can, you know, find the time to do it. So we're going to start off looking at um, our pre-season games. Yeah, six open games, obviously all but one uh, away, yep. which I think is good. Is always to get that away feeling. I think that's always well, a good thing. My thoughts on the preseason is just, I think it was good to see a couple systems, different plays. Yep. I think at the beginning of the season, there was clearly some nerves. Not County, what they, that was two set pieces. I think everyone who watched or read the aftermath was like, oh, not again. It just looked a bit, it was just a bit of intensity. Not County, all credit to them, really came and really... You know, I know they've had a few more preseason games, but they really came there and knocked us about and gave us, you know, tested physicality, which is something I think has always been an issue for us in recent seasons. I think since the Prell era, um, when Claude came in, he one of the things that used to get us if the team was very physical, we just couldn't break through. And I think that's still something we struggle with today. I think, you know, we're quite a small side relative to other Premier League sides. Yeah, yeah. I remember talking to a friend about this around sometime last season. And he's, you know, saying that we've got a team who just get bullied off the pitch a bit too easily. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I remember that they did the numbers. I think we were the second shortest team as well. Yeah. And this was a couple of seasons ago, to be fair. But yeah, in that game, I think it just, I think there was a bit of panic. I think there's definitely, I think with set pieces, I think part of it is tactics. But I genuinely think there's just a bit of heebie-jeebies. I think... We've gotten too much in our own heads about it. I think because everyone goes, ooh, a set piece, and even the crowds, you can tentatively feel the tension in the stadium when we've conceded a set piece near goal. And that translates to the pitch, you know, and they will feel that. And I think they get into their own heads. And I think sometimes I've seen us, and we don't look coordinated. It doesn't look like this tactics. It looks like pure, unadulterated panic. Yeah. And that's what that first goal was against Notts County. I mean, it was just a weird... No one cleared it. It bounced over Iverson. He just about got a fingertip on it. And yeah, it was a bit of an embarrassing first goal to concede. I'm trying to remember who scored for us in that match. I've just been looking over. It was Barnes. So Barnes, Barnes came in. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, he came was in. Barnes. And Barnes has, Barnes has been looking really good this season. He's looking dangerous. Yeah, he's, he's, he's his one-on-ones have been good. We will be relying on the left hand of the pitch a lot this season, unless we get a good We relied right a lot on Barnes on the left-hand side of the pitch with the attack last season, because we often had, I really like last season, we often had Luke Thomas and Barnes, I thought, linked together quite well. And um, Kin and Dewsbury Hall tends to drift that way as well. Yeah, I think it helps that you have Dewsbury Hall's left-footed as well as Thomas, and they can kind of go on the outside and give us positions from that left flank that otherwise we wouldn't have. And Barnes is obviously quite good on his right foot and good at coming in incisively. So you've got Thomas who can give us the cross option. You've got um, Dewsbury Hall who can play just outside the box in front of goal. And then you've got Barnes who can take players one-on-one and do it. So we'll be the left side will be the strongest unless, like I said, we... We signed someone particular on the right side. Um, of course, you know, it's a pre-season friendly. They always say the results in pre-season friendlies don't matter. I think if any match doesn't matter, it's that first game. 
Yeah, I, I, you could tell there was a bit of nerves, couldn't you? I completely agree. Like, when I remember on the Discord, a lot of people were talking about that Knott's County game, and they were freaking out a bit. Like, this is a bad loss to have. I'm like, you know, in general, it gets the cobwebs out. You'll slowly see the team promote themselves back up to, like, those Premier League standard. And we saw that, too, in the coming games. For Harvey Barnes, though, I like, just to go back to what you're saying, he ha- he actually had a phenomenal preseason games this year. If I remember correctly, he's been just on point with his matchmaking skills. He has a bit of hiccups, but I really think, like, He's be prepared himself very well for the yeah. season coming up. Yeah, I think the only game with him with a question mark was Hull City, but it was it was kind of a good problem to have. There were so many goals he should have had and assists. It was just yeah. So should we move on? We uh, talk briefly. There's a lot of preseason games. I don't want to spend too long on any one. So if we move yeah. on to talk about the game against OH Loven, three three draw away. Very exciting match. Was yeah, amazing. this was an exciting match. It was, um, but it was exciting because I think we we thoroughly underestimated our sister yeah. club. We 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 went high up. We had a, we we did a high line, and we thoroughly underestimated their ability to run in behind. And that's all they did for the first two goals was run in behind. Yeah, I think they were helped by a little bit of comedy goalkeeping at one point. Yes, I, Iverson came for a ball, then realised he wasn't going to get there in time, and just found himself stranded on the edge of the area. Where at that point, it's one of those things of like, look, if you've done that, you need to at least challenge for the header. Yeah, no, absolutely. Iverson, I have to admit, Iverson did not come out looking good in the first two games. I, you know, we were, we were jumping ahead of myself, but he kind of really didn't redeem himself until the Preston Norfolk game. But maybe, like I said, it could have just been he, a bit of heebie-jeebies of starting, but he, he really, yeah, I don't know. It was a bit embarrassing. Yeah, he should have made a decision why he came that far out someone who's been in league one he should have been a bit more prepared especially against a side that was clearly being quite physical and quite rapid and i know they had a few more games than us but we really you know yeah it was it was a free scoring game and i i think the one thing that was interesting was that clearly we got stronger towards the end which showed as a side we were clearly fitter yeah um oh leuven looked really ragged towards the end and i know they kept a lot more players on uh, for the full 90 minutes because their season was starting shortly after, wasn't it? But you could see the difference in fitness and they clearly went all out at the beginning and the game was to go out all at the beginning and then sit back as the game progressed. That game, I thought, like, I completely agree. That game was phenomenal to watch because, you know what, for a sister club, it shows, like, it's kind of weird, like a tie which should not be seen as a good thing, especially with a club that's, like, not in Europe, like you would hate that. I thought that that was a great thing because... In my opinion, it just shows how great of an organization we have right now with Leicester and OH. But um, right now, we are so focused in with both of these clubs, as you know, with our managers, uh, with the with the owners, that we're just we're just organized well. Like it's just showing like the progress with both sides to a point that like you have so much faith in the our organization as a whole. I really believe like like we're in a, we're in the right track for the season. And I saw that and I was like, you know what, we're fighting back. We're coming back. That's all that matters. Like we gotta just keep. We gotta just be certified for the season, and that was perfect. No, I can see that. No, I think that that's a fair point. And the only thing I thought was missing from that match is I think we should have had some King Power trophy yeah. with a face of. Definitely. Well, I completely agree with that. I think that would have been just for fun. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like the ashes, but between the two clubs is who gets the only King Power. And it's a bit stuff. of a knowing wink at those kind of slightly silly preseason trophies. I would even say though that that's an honor for because like what Vaichi has done like oh, for both God, yeah, yeah, yeah. that whole family. 
it would be not. Yeah, you know what? They, they definitely deserve. If anyone deserves their name on a trophy like that, then then yes, that family definitely does. I'll say one thing about our defence. Yes, we conceded three goals. That should be looked at a little bit in the context of it was a longer match than usual. It was two two at ninety minutes, but also none of the three goals we conceded were from set pieces. Yes, no, you're very right. Actually, apart from that Notts County game, we haven't conceded any goals from set pieces this preseason, which clearly shows that if we've been working on them, that it's been working, and hopefully the team can take that mentality of actually, apart from that one game, we are now successfully defending set pieces. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since some physical sides, I mean, like I said, OH Leuven, um, and then we'll be talking about Hull City, Derby, Preston, North End. These would be guys who... We'll be used to playing the ball in the air. Yeah, can we talk about Hull? <laughs> yeah, speaking of silly pre-season silverware, yeah, what was it, the play? I want to know, what was that about? The Corindon Cup, which I think is named after the sponsor of Hull City. They they kind of... They're an airline that sponsor Hull City. We yeah. won the very prestigious... <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it doesn't have the history of the base charity bars, let's be fair. No. No, no, no. I'm still hurting from that, I'm not going to yeah, lie. You know what, weirdly so am I. It, but sad. you know what, we, we put on a really good performance in that game, I think. We scored four goals, we made it look quite easy, we didn't concede any. It it was peak Roger ball, wasn't it? It was just, we, we imposed the game, we, we dominated, it was lots of fluid movement, and we just, we just ran them ragged. And we did it at home against quite a full stadium. You know, a whole city, uh, quite a Strong side we in the were championship away in that yeah. one, I think. We were, yeah. It was in front of you know. You said the whole fans. You said we did it at home, <laughs> but yeah. Sorry, I meant away from home. All right, so you know we we won this you know trophy away from home uh, in front of quite you know quite a passionate fan base, yeah. and you know and that's that's that even in preseason, it's it's not easy to go to another person's ground, especially if if there's a trophy on hands because it's a matter of pride and no matter if it's the you know. If it's a silly preseason cup or it's you know the Champions League final, you you want to win it because it's always nice to say yeah you know I won something and it's good to bring that mentality and you know into the season and we might we know we'll probably be looking at cup competition so we need to start bringing that kind of mentality in. Mm. I remember actually watching that game thinking this is actually quite a hostile crowd because one thing I think you get with preseason friendlies you get a lot less away support apart from anything. Yeah, absolutely. In that preseason, I mean, people, they, they turned up, didn't they? I mean, it wasn't an empty stadium by any stretch. I mean, it was comparable to, um, obviously, and we'll talk about it later, but Seville, or Sevilla, I should say, um, you know, game where it was actually quite a full stadium and obviously Blue Army were behind them, but we'll go to that match in a minute. But yeah, you know, whole whole turned up, you know, whole turned up and, um, well, the, the fans did. Yeah. And the team, <laughs> not to be mean to the team, I did seem like the team couldn't keep up with the pace which I guess would make sense given the difference in, in, in the in the league. Right. So the, towards the bottom end of the championship, um, you know, but still, like I said, I, I, I'm, I firmly believe the championship is quite a competitive body. I think a lot of teams there could could cause waves in the Premier League if it wasn't for what's well, quite a harsh qualifying, you know, you getting to first and second is quite a feat. And then playoffs, as we so rightly know, the playoffs can be incredibly cruel. And the, I, um, the championship can be very physically brutal as well. Oh yeah, um, it's you know yeah, it's very physical. What, forty-six very physical. games a season, you need to be strong and fit, and strong players are something we've struggled with. 
So I was a bit where I thought, you know, this is a team who could embarrass us a bit, but they did not. No, absolutely. I think the one thing to take out from this whole game too was just like, like you were saying, like the importance of a championship. The destroy it, they, they, they just win four zero against a championship team like that are, as you said, they're just as good as, as other leagues in the English um, Football Association. But like in general, they we just went in and we were just had such great playmaking and stuff. And that that was a hostile crowd. Like I was, I couldn't watch the game sadly because um of just time differences for me. But they were brutal. Like they were. They were just. I, I was reading on up on um, on the Twitter. People were like, "Yeah, these fans are a little too rowdy for preseason." And I was watching clips, and I was like, "Oh my god, like this is brutal and stuff." But I think in general, it was such a great game, and I believe like every. I agree. Getting a trophy is such a huge part for this whole game as a whole because like it gives the players motivation that they can go out and win. Like last year was a very stressful year for Leicester fans and and the players itself. Let's have we had a good preseason. And let's just go out there and win the games. Let's just get do get points and try to get back to where we were a couple of seasons back. And also, just to go back, the attendance for that game was twelve thousand nine hundred and nine. That's a good attendance for preseason, isn't it? That's very good. That's very good, and it's a part of this problem because you know, and it's good to see these kind of turnouts. And I'm sure it's good for the club, and it's just good for the sport. And it's nice because they usually these games are cheaper and more accessible to, yeah. to families. Um, but yeah, just tapping onto last season, you know, I know there's a lot of pessimism, and we'll probably talk about it more when we get to the transfers. But even with a bad season, we were only what three, six points behind seventh in eighth position, you know, eighth place. You know, I know we spent a lot of time quite low on the table, but people forget we had about three games in hand for most of the season, if not more. Um, we had injuries. I mean, we were playing our B team mostly, and you know, don't get me wrong, a lot of our B team stood up, but. You know, like I said, I'll probably save this for more for the transfers, but people like Daniel Amate, and, you know, he, he did really well for us at times, and Vestergaard, we definitely have some people on our B team where they shouldn't be playing regular football for us. They very much should be a substitute or a backup or be playing certain cup games. And that's not to be mean to them, it's just, you know, and we're relying on those people. And like I said, to their credit, they, they stood up as much as they could within their talent and their ability. And, yeah, like I said, you know, now we've got a fully fit team. I know we've had the thing with Ricardo, which has just been... I feel really bad for him. Mm. He, when he's fit, is one of the best right-backs in the world. I, honestly, I, he, he really should be up there, and I think injuries are the only thing that have held him back. Um, luckily, we've got right-backs for days. With and... Ricardo, he's, he's one of those people who... He seems to be a bit injury-prone. I'm getting a bit worried about that now. Yeah, I mean, he's getting to that age, isn't with he? It, due to injury. Uh, as brilliant as he can be, because he spent so much of last season injured as well, didn't he? He did. And, Since the ACL, he's he's really struggled to come back. Yeah, so I, I'm wondering if his time might almost be up at, at this level anyway. We'll see. Potentially. I, I completely agree. I agree with you because I... I, I'm watching the game, like, in Achilles injuries are something that is not easy to come about. Like, in, like, in a sport like basketball, if you have an Achilles injury, your career is almost practically over. Like, I've only seen a few people come back from injury like that. It's the nastiest one you could ever have. I, I do like him as a player. I completely agree. He was fun. He was really great when needed last year. But, like, this is, we have to look at the fact that, like, 
we we have to worry about the age and we have to realize like at one point is it too late to like say this is this guy will be fine he does seem to have a thing of he'll play and he a lot of his injuries are he pulls up and stops and it's not through contact and that always scares me more um, yeah, that sort of indicates it's more muscles are doing things he doesn't want them yeah. doing, not he's been pushed out of place. I, I wonder if like a move to uh, maybe like the Italian or the Spanish league, where it's less intense. I, d- I don't know if those, those might work for him if he's not doesn't have to like sprint so much. And I suppose, but that's I think a strong part of his game, isn't it? it I mean, is. when he's scored goals, it's because he's he's played well off the right and he's come in incisively and been really rapid and gotten that finish, isn't it? It's he? a strong part of his game when he's got two working legs. Granted, yes, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, he could be a yeah. It, it, but we've kind of gone a bit off the beaten yeah. path of this one, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so going back to. Into the preseason matches, we've got Derby County and Preston North yeah. End, which are kind of a set of games. Um, Derby County, obviously, it's nice to know that we it's not our only East Midlands Derby. We've kind of gone from a drought of never playing people in the East Midlands to now potentially playing three East Midlands games in, in one season. If you include, the I pre-season. really enjoyed these two matches, uh, partially because I'd been a bit ill that weekend, and so I just needed something to watch for a long time. So having two matches back to back. On YouTube for free. Thank you very much, whoever does the media at Leicester City Football Club, for that. I loved it. We played well in both games, I thought. Yeah, we seem to. I think this is where the, the attacking side, I think the only goals we conceded were just a bit silly, weren't they? Yeah. Um, from what I remember. Yeah, Derby really proved um, we uh, we did a lot better, you know. And obviously, that I don't like to say one was the A team, one was the B team, but we had a lot more of our second pick probably in the Derby County game, didn't we? And they turned up. And again, um, as people probably know from the sub and even from the Discord, I'm a big fan of Ian Archer. I think, you know, I think we always got oh, we really like Vardy and Dakar is definitely sort of a spiritual if not a bit nicer version of Vardy. I hope he kind of gets a bit of a meaner streak, but we'll talk about that at another point. But, you know, I, with Viennacho, he really gives us something different, and I think it's fairly underestimated how useful that is. And, you know, that kind of difference gave us the chance to challenge for Europa again yeah. you know, that one season, you know. And he, it was good to see him good in that game. He That goal that he scored was almost uh, identical to the goal, he, the, the console, you know, Consolatory goal we got against Spurs uh, away last season, but you know he, the man when he gets his space he can shoot and he will score. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Ianacho. I I just, I just feel it's a bit of a shame that he doesn't seem to work to fit into this club system. And it's one of those things where I do sometimes think that it's worth altering the system. Maybe to I, he really needs to be in a two striker system, right? That's the commonly yeah. agreed thing. And, you know, I don't know. I, we've got a lot of good midfielders. So it's like, who do you sacrifice from midfield to play Iheanacho up front? But I think Iheanacho, sometimes actually as the three, as the number 10, can like have good games. It's yeah, you beat me to good. It. Yeah. He's mostly let down by a first touch. I think he really struggles when he's asked to come on for Vardy and the team are set up to play the balls in behind and he's a very different striker to Vardy and if you ask him to play like Vardy, he's not going to look good. 
No, absolutely, and I, I think Dak has definitely got to be the man who who does that. Yeah. And he he's shown it. Dak he's shown his ability. I think, like I said, the only thing holding him back, he, he needs to learn to be a, a, a bit more of a bastard. You yes. know, and I, I I think you know he's he's he comes across as a very nice guy, very sweet. But I think where Vardy, you know, they both have that speed and all the similar attributes. The key difference is. People are scared of Vardy. Yeah, thirty-five-year-old Vardy makes defenders run in the you know you know put two men to him because they're scared of his abilities because yeah. they know if he gets on it he's a, and Daka can do the same but he's not that imposing and I think there's been a few times and during these games dealing with quite a physical side and he was taking the ball back from him and that was good to see it was good to see that he was willing to kind of get stuck in which is what he needs to be able to do. In this league, you cannot come to the Premier League in any position and not be willing to to get physical. It's a yeah. physical league. Us and the Scottish up north, you know, obviously north of the border, they they we were very physical leagues, and you can't come in here and hope that you could just play off tactics. It is it is half spirit, half tactics. <laughs> it's definitely notable uh, yeah. that he played much better in Europe or had better stats in Europe than he did in the Premier League. Less physical games there. Yeah, and that's because it'd be his experience in Austria, wouldn't it? The Austrian game would be very, you know, quintessentially European in how it was probably refereed and how it relied on tactics and stuff. I do sometimes think Pratt falls foul of that as well. I think Pratt is a good footballer. He's been looking good in these games. He was kind of more prominent in in these last few games. He was he was quite uh, prevalent in the Sevilla game. He clearly has ability, but. I do sometimes think the physicality get knocks him out of him. Weirdly enough, Brentford, who will be playing soon, um, when we played them in the FA Cup, that's when he got his injury, didn't he? And he, you know, he, he looked like he was getting a bit run a bit ragged with the amount of running he was having to do against a Brentford that was at the time a Championship side, not uh, the Premier League side it is at the minute. Uh, shall we talk a bit about the Sevilla game? This is, I think, the the game I haven't managed to see any highlights of. I know we won one nil through a Dakar goal. I think it was it was Dewsbury Hall, but yeah, no, it it was a bit of a it was a game where it reminded me of some of the the, the Puel era games um, where we were really good on the attack. We imposed it was just finishing, finishing just wasn't there, and hopefully we could just work on that in the last week, maybe behind this closed door game. It was just finishing that that you know didn't help us. There was a lot of balls that were near, near there were a lot of near goals and. You know, Sevilla. Not you know, we're talking about a side that has won the Europa League more than anyone else. So, to pin back, you know, Europa, you know, regular Europa winners, not just regular Europa players, winners, and be able to pin them back and win one nil. It wasn't bad. It, like I said, the goal was a bit of a bobble, but not to take it away from Dewsbury Hall. He took the shot and it went in, caught the keeper flat-footed and. Yeah, it was it it was a game I felt comfortable watching, which is always nice and and very rare as a football fan. You watch a game and go, you know what? I'm actually kind of cozy. I can actually enjoy my my sandwich or whatever you you happen to be eating at the time. A lot of times you you forget you have food in front of you and you're clenched every orifice you've got going. And <laughs> you're crying a little bit. So for what it's worth, Sevilla finished fourth in the La Liga last season, Champions League group stage. The Champions League team we just beat. That's that's incredible. Like they and they were they're a hard squad. I remember last year in the Champions League when I was watching that they were just they were they were going at it. Like they were going nuts. But I will say, looking back at one thing, the they had the Emirates Cup 
Arsenal versus Sevilla, they, they, it really didn't like they, they Sevilla's not really having a good form this soft season. Like I just feel like maybe they're just having a bit. They're like not playing to their full extended. But that said, I will say that I think being a team like Sevilla is going to give us more of a mode of like we can do this and such. I think we play phenomenal European football. And to go back with the dock and stuff, I agree. We just need these players to play more of an English football, where it's more more rough and more rowdy and such, like Barty, as you said. We, they, if you can have that bit of rowdiness, I'm telling, it will be such a successful year for us. It, yeah. It's just all about development at this point. And it's something, actually, it's one thing I really liked about when Dewsbury Hall came into the team last season, was that he was someone who looked willing to get into, you know, if, if it came to it, he's probably the first player to get into fisticuffs if punches start getting thrown, right? And you've got the feeling that with a lot of the team, if a team were to try and intimidate and bully us like that, it back down. Dewsbury Hall was the player who went, no, fuck it, I'm going to... Sorry, I'm not scared. I'm not going to swear. Dewsbury Hall was the player who'd stand up and say, no, I'm not going to get bullied. I'll, if you want to like bully us, I'll, I'll bully you right back. And I think he inspired a bit of that in other players because I'm sure I saw like Madison start to... like stand up for himself more because he was a player who could, could, could get pushed around a bit at times yeah. he was he always seemed like that guy that was like he, he was like the pretty boy i saw if i saw on twitter where he just didn't like he he didn't have like a bit of an edge he just was kind of there and i did but i will say like last season he got a bit more rough and i loved it like he he was getting better screens and such i know this is very yeah absolutely um, I was just going to say my comment on Madison that you know he wants to go into the England squad. England doesn't have a number ten. You have to be a box to box guy, and Madison is showing more than I know. Obviously, with, when we're playing four, you know the four three three kind of setup, he's now having to drop in, you know, in the midfield with Tielemans and or you know, K, you know Dewsbury Hall and stuff like that. And we need to, you know, and he 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 stepped up and he's getting physical and he's getting those tackles in, and it's good to see and. I think obviously he's quite motivated by that England place, and I think we'll see a lot more of that this season. And also, he's been phenomenal this preseason. I mean, if we've got a player of the preseason, it has to be Madison. He he was involved in just about every yeah, goal. Yeah, it felt like it, didn't it? He he really did. He he had such a great preseason too. I was I'm he was the reason why I wasn't even like as scared as I was with the whole transfer market. He just looked he was phenomenal. This I loved him. He's he was my top three favorite. So speak of transfers, shall we talk about our transfer season? All right, and we can move on quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, very important to talk about the yeah. whole transfer market because, from someone as a United, I, I live in the United States. We, football is not like common, like like it's growing a lot more than what people expect. But if there's one thing that I know, it's a quote from Sun Tzu: "The art of war, the opportunity of defeating the enemy, is provided by the enemy himself." And we're, and I really think we're providing people with like them regrouping them growing with us staying back and not doing anything i i don't ever like the idea of not making at least some sort of move to like certified like their team but i think it's it's gonna be a mistake in the future if we don't make a transfer at all i i so i i hope i mean i i think we do need to bring in some i think we need to fill in some gaps there's some there's some capabilities in the team that are clearly missing i i don't want us transferring for the sake of it i mean that just smacks to me of Vestergaard and Bertrand, and we're all, well, we all know how those are going. <laughs> I gotta say, like, just to jump down a bit on this sheet, the whole Schmeichel thing broke my heart. Like, I really got upset when I saw that. I thought, 
I thought it was a joke because like everyone was there. I was like, dude, there's no way this guy's leaving. Like he, lo- I thought he loves us here. And then I go on Twitter and my, my I just sink into my chair at work and I, I couldn't even work really the rest of the day. It broke my heart. Like I, I'm, it's scary because like I said we, we need to make moves and that was not a move I wanted to happen at all. I didn't even think it would happen. I, in I, I'm called, I, I get what you mean. I, as from a sentimental point of view, Schmeichel's been, he's he's been. Bar Vardy, he is synonymous with, with Leicester, isn't yeah. he? he? He is one of the go-to. Him, Wes Morgan, and, and Vardy, they were the go-to faces. And yes, they were the ones who stuck around, really, who were instrumental in that win, who really stuck around. And if this whole Schmeichel thing goes through, Vardy is the only one left from our promotion-winning side left on the team. Is he the only one wow. from the Premier League-winning side as well? Ooh. I have the feeling I can't think of anyone else. No, 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 no. Daniel Amate. So Marty there, of course, yeah. Yeah, he, he was a Premier League. People forget this. He's he's one of those really? one of those ones. It's like him, Jeffrey Schloop of like, yeah, Jeffrey Schloop. He's, he's a Premier League winner on at, at Crystal Palace and Yeah. Yeah. He was um, on a Murray Grace gone. Sorry. Right? G- Gary was gone, right? Gray. Gray, yeah, yeah. He just Amari left Gray, Amari Gray, he's already it, yeah. left. Um, but yeah, pretty much yeah. everyone who played regularly in that team now is, is leaving. And yes, sentim- from a sentimental point of view, I will say, you know, I, I love Kasper Schmeichel. He, he has been a fantastic player at this club. He's one of the players, I'd say, you know, goes into the all-time greats Hall of Fame, deserves mm-hmm. a statue. I would say our third best goalkeeper ever. Um, Ooh, who, who are the two ahead of him? Well, is, it, is it Banks and Shilton? Yes. Or... Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought it would, I would be. I mean, Schmeichel's a good goalkeeper, but Banks and Shilton were some of the best ever. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know. and Shilton, we can't seem to get him away from the club every time I go, he's there. Isn't he? I love it. I love the fact that when we sold Gordon Banks, people were like, what? Why are you replacing the great Gordon Banks, the guy who made that save against Pele? Um, with a guy from your youth team, we're like, yeah, that was Peter Shilton. He came out of our academy. Yeah, I mean, I don't, and that's one thing I've always, obviously, you know, not obviously, we're all Leicester fans here. We all will probably find good reasons to, to promote it, but we we do seem to have a nice history of producing talent and producing academy products. You know, you know yeah. Gary Lineker as well. He's up there as well. He's quite iconic and synonymous with us. Um, but yeah, it was a Schmeichel thing. But I think it's good because I have to admit there was definitely. Something last year. Uh, so that whole interview where he said, you know, I want to be playing Champions League football and kind of almost in a I deserve it way. There was a part of me, I feel like you were part of our team that failed to make it as well. You know, quite a prominent leader in that team. I don't know. I was a part of me was a little bit annoyed with that. And I think maybe before things get sour, maybe it's like, okay, maybe he just needs a new challenge. And it was interesting to see that Rogers comment. I don't know how, you know, Rogers is someone who thinks about what he says. And when he said, you have to look forward and ways to improve in reference to Schmeichel. I mean, that's quite a statement. Mm. You know, that's clearly showing that maybe he has some headaches. And, you know, Schmeichel in, in, in penalty shootouts is very good. But if anything required him coming off his line or distribution, uh, I could definitely think of better keepers. Yeah, I have a feeling I'm trying to find the stats right now. But I sure remember looking that. Because goals prevented, that's like goals conceded and expected goals on target against, right? It was not mm. particularly good last season. Yeah, you know, for all that, he's, he's, I think, one of the best at that 
short range reaction save. Mm. And I'll trust him over just for any other keeper to do it. But then there are a bunch of shots that are goals we conceded last season where I kind of thought, actually, I would have expected Schmeichel to stop that. Yeah, and I do, I do think, I do wonder if he his his mind was elsewhere. You know, you, sometimes you get a player, you and so, sometimes he's been he's been a servant of the club for what eleven years? Yeah, eleven years. Eleven years is a long time to be anywhere, especially with someone you don't necessarily consider home. I mean, obviously he he's, he's, he would have been you know had his kids and they would have been then they have all probably grown up and stuff. He might be thinking. He wants to try a few other things before he ends because he obviously he's going to want to hang up his boots and he probably will in the next two, three years. I don't know, goalkeepers can go on quite a long time, can't they? Yeah. 35, and... he can probably go another five years. Probably not five years at the very top level. Which is what I think he wants. I think with Schmeichel, it's top or nothing. I think he will only want to be in top division playing... You know, some European football, he will not want to, he won't want to drop. I think at the moment he has no options in European or top tier football, he will, he will retire. And he can, I mean, he, he's made his money and I'm sure he's more. And he's than, got, he could probably go now, he could be fine. He's got a Premier League winner's medal, he's played semi finals at major competitions, he's, he's had a, a good career. He has. The FA Cup and great. an FA Cup win, yeah, of course. And I think he's the only thing he's missing is a League Cup. Yeah. And if he wanted that, he might as well just go back to Man City where he started. <laughs> um, there's... And there's been interest as well uh, in other clubs, from other clubs even, in Fofana and Madison, both of which I get the feeling both players are staying. Yeah, I think with Madison, I think someone's agent is playing a blinder because... By all the, from I've read receipts. I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was the Athletic or quite a credible source on Twitter, but this might I wouldn't put this up. But basically, it seems like Newcastle are annoyed that um, that it was leaked that they put a bid and how much they put it in for. And clearly, who, who's going to benefit from this? Madison. I mean, we all know he was in negotiation for a contract before yeah. Newcastle said anything. I loved. Um... Roger's quote about that that amount would cover about two thirds of his left leg. Well, it was this, you know, you could, let's ignore the, 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 you know, the, you know, yeah, that was quite a good comment. It was quite funny. But I think let's just be realistic. We get rid of Madison, our creativity is done. One of our weak points, if Madison goes injured, we we turn into just formulaic football. We just get Albright and crossing. Don't Madison's we? such an important player for exactly. us. He's the player, he's the difference maker in tight games. Absolutely, and we don't have a backup to that, do we? Yeah, Madison's the one who finds the tight, the, the tricky pass that unlocks the defence when we need it, or produces that moment of magic goal that just breaks a deadlock. I think this is where Ian Archer becomes sort of a, a weird second to Madison. Not as a, a like for like, but if Madison is out, what we then revert to is three at the back, two wing backs, two in midfield and those two up front yeah. to make the creativity and create the space. Because Ian Archer, for all his ability, he needs space to be and, good. And um, Fafana, we appear to be been, we, we appear to be rebuffing interest there. I don't think he's going to go. He's just signed a new contract with us this summer, or just before the season ends. I don't think Fafana will be sold until he is a French regular, which I think is very much soon. I think World Cup, mm. he will become a French regular. Um, and bar... Injury. And that yeah. will kick up his asking price, which is already yep. good, you know, because um, I think I saw something about someone, was it 
either PSG, I said, I read, I can't remember where I saw this, were considering a £55 million offer. And the comment on that was that falls some way short of Leicester City's evaluation of him. So it looks like if he goes, he's going for going to have to set a new record for a centre-back money. Yeah, and a lot of that is... The biggest thing, right, is we're not going to do anything where we're going... It has to be stupid money because otherwise we're going to have the Maguire problem. And let's be honest, we got lucky with the Maguire sale. Maguire got sold, it went down to the wire, and then Soyuncu came into that Wolves game was an unknown quantity. I honestly was like, I have no idea what this guy's about. I vaguely remember him conceding a penalty against Huddersfield as of when he came in. And then actually, he was amazing. Yeah. And I don't think we've got that. You know, Ben Nelson would have been my guess, but he's now off on loan. Um, there was that player, you know, going back to the preseason at Notts County, and I cannot remember his name, but the defender, he actually didn't look too out of we place. We had some trialists in that game, didn't we? He wasn't a trialist. He was an academy. He was an under nine. He was one of the under nineteens, and I cannot remember his name. But he looked, he looked the part. Come on, you know, I'm trying I, to remember the squad. Was it a uh, what he was? What do you know what number he was? Because I'm looking at this thing right now. I genuinely cannot because oh. obviously during preseason they then the numbers get a bit mixed around, anyways. But was yeah. it cover? Because that's a good name, cover for cup for defense. Brandon Cover, uh, I think he's more of a midfielder if I remember rightly. But no, no, oh, he missed out on a good idea right there to be a defensive end with the name Cover. Uh, absolutely. Um, I still feel it's a shame that Shade never made it too close to first team. Just a brilliant name, and he just seemed like a <laughs> cool guy. But more, more to the point, you know, we we we're obviously we're going to sell if Fafano and Madison. We will sell them. We need them for stupid money because we need stupid money to replace them. Because oh, everyone yeah. will know we have stupid money, and people will know we're desperate because we've got what. Less than thirty days now to make any trades, and and also centre back is already a position we're a bit light on players. Like we've got some really good ones, like Fafana's good. Soyuncu is really good with the right partner. I I do think Soyuncu plays about five hundred percent better when he's alongside Johnny Evans, who kind of knows how to con- kind of who kind of operates Soyuncu's remote control, right? Yeah, I think. Soyan Chu is good at chasing the ball where Evans is better about position. Soyan Chu is he's, he's he's a workhorse and when he's at his best, he is really good. Yeah. I I personally think the Euros with Turkey that, destroyed his confidence. That was not good and from, he's been a lot better in preseason, hasn't he, Soyan Chu? Yeah, I think he just needed I think he just didn't get that break. I mean he kinda went from Euros, got maybe two weeks and then came straight into the Premier League, and I don't think he ever had the chance to properly reset. Um, and this is, you know, and I, I find Jurgen Klopp annoying, but he, he does have a point. Some of these guys, you need a reset. You need yeah. that mental just decompression. And I don't think he got that. And I think whatever hoodoo he got from the Euros, where he had a lot of pressure on he him. Did. He did. He had a lot of pressure on him. He was expected to lead that back line out of the group stages, at least. And... And I think, yeah, to your point, I think people was like, oh, he's brilliant, but it's like he was brilliant because Evans, who is, you know, again, he's a Premier League winner with yeah. Man United, isn't he? And he he knows, and he's he's level headed. He's also the only player I've seen yell back at Schmeichel. Yes, you know? <laughs> um, and that takes something. That that takes some doing to yell back at Schmeichel. You know, like I said, I love Schmeichel, but he's definitely got to be the biggest diva we've had he in, is a bit. in a while. There's a bit of a running joke about any time we concede a goal, Schmeichel will yell and complain about the referee 
complain to the referee about something, and a lot of the time it's like, Schmeichel, you should have just saved that. It's it it's there's nothing wrong with that goal apart from our defending of it. Yeah, yeah, you do get a bit of Karen Schmeichel, don't you? Um, absolutely, Karen Schmeichel. That's a beautiful. <laughs> Rob Tanner wrote an article about how players coming back from injury from us will be as good as bringing signings in. What do we think about that? I actually think he's kind of right in the sense because, like, I last year, as you said, we had our B team. Like, I think these players coming back are just going to be such a great deal for us. It's going to be like having a whole new squad. And the B team players that we had last year can be good for, like, the idea of how the Maguire, like, just sell the players and get other players to come in and such. I think that our injuries really derailed us last season to a point that like the fact that we made it to eighth and the fact that in my opinion, the fact that we didn't, that we weren't in like the lower tier was impressive. And it showed like how great of a squad we really had an organization. Lester just has to look at the facts of the players and see which ones are going to actually stay and which ones do they really need. As you said, Edu Nacho doesn't really fit with the scheme. I would love for him to fit in. I think he's so, he's very underrated. I don't think people don't look at him like that. And I would love, love to see something with him if we don't think he should be a part of the club. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see an actual performing well. So he's such a likable man. And if he can't perform well here, then you know what? I would not mind watching him bang in the goals for any for any other team unless they're against us. Or at least maybe to me and United. That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I I can kind of feel the sentiment on that one, but I um, so I think the, the lack of players, the the lack of injuries, hopefully, will make. Yeah, I. Yeah, that whole thing. Like, it's been quite funny. So obviously, the paper. I think one thing that kind of so John Percy wrote an article back. What was it in March about this? Re- what they called a rebuild. And let's be clear, they it was the Telegraph who called it a rebuild. Um, Rogers has been quite consistent in calling it a shakeup. You know, and I know it's probably semantics, but I think I think because so much emphasis was drawn onto that, and there is so much that we'd like to do, um, and obviously financial fair play is the thing that's limiting us. I know there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of nonsense out there about we're in heavily in debt or yeah, which we're not. Uh, there's no money. We have the money. If, like I said, we wanted to, we could go and splash out and buy players, but we would then be breaching financial fair play. I and I think the other problem is that every player we bring in means someone we can't register, which isn't great for squad cohesion. Ideally, you want to register your entire first team squad. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. Um, unless, completely. unless you're going to hire a bunch of those under the age of, was it 20 or 19? Tw- under 21s, I think you don't have to register. Yeah, but you know, we we, we want to. We could probably we'd rather be using our own less, you know, our academy products than buying other people's. Um, and if they're that good, where you bind them and bring them straight into the first team, those kind of wonder kids tend to go for silly money, and that's just not the market we operate in. Yeah. Um, I do, I do think you know, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of palaver around us not signing players. I'm not that worried. Um, I, I. <sighs> There's a little bit of like the five stages of grief about that <laughs> Rob Tanner article um, where we kind of went, we're going to do this build. Wait, we're not going to get this rebuild? Yeah. Oh God, everything is horrible. And 
oh, what, what if we, what if we sold, I don't know, Ianacho or or this, that, the other thing, and then it's now accepted. It's like actually, if we just, you know, we just have this team, and yeah. that's that's our lot in life. That we, that's that's where that Rob Tanner, Tanner article comes from, and I think that's all with the media. I think, I think Rob Tanner and Jordan Blackwell and a couple of others are very bored. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think on the Discord you can see various stages of that five stages of grief, but. Yeah, I definitely see it as a look. Essentially, last season we were without Fafana, we were without several other key players for a long time. You know, we were out. We were without Soyuncu for a long time. We were without Barnes for a long time. Madison had in- injury problems. Vardy had injury problems. And if all those players come in, and if our injury levels just return to average, I bet that you'd look at an uptime in minutes of available players, available playing minutes. You know, kind of know what I mean by that. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, would be exactly. comparable to two or three new signings. Yeah, I I think that's right. And also, this season is going to be I don't call it easy, but compared to our our workloads before, I think last season we had the second or third most games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of all the Premier League sides, only sec. You know, we were only behind the likes of Chelsea and I Liverpool. Think we were um, behind the Champions League finalists, and yeah, I think we we're behind the cup, the European Cup finalists. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, so you know, we're talking about that kind of workload with a team that was struggling with injuries. You know, we ha- we got to a European semi final, which was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I know we got Jose Mourinho in the most classic way possible, but. And That's what he's good at. Yeah. <laughs> One other note I have on transfers. That if football manager has taught me anything, it's that making no transfers is great for that team cohesion stat. That's so important to performance. Does that work in real life? Will maybe stability in the squad work in our favor in the long run? Uh, I think, I as I said, like I just believe like making moves like that benefit your team, like in a sense of like what you need. Like yeah, you just don't pick and choose someone but like you look for someone like is very important like if this was a year that people felt like the people up above there felt like there was no reason to go about any other players then that's fine i think it gives the confidence to the team too like to go against my belief is that like maybe this team now has a belief that like they can go above and beyond and like they can keep in the squad is ready to go to the next step to like a champions league and i think that's what's one way we should look at if we really think that this team can do it then let's believe yeah i think you're right i you know and i i echo a lot of that and i think it's gonna be interesting so obviously the workload will be a lot smaller as i mentioned um and we also be so when we play those less games we can be more tactical and i think rogers i know he's got his critics and he's got people who support him but he is tactically quite good i mean we you could see you know we we as a fan base regularly joke about you know second half fc you always see that his original game plan doesn't work and then he always seems to come up with one or almost always comes up with one that works or at least is a lot better than his original plan and i think with that that weak break between each game we'll definitely be in a stronger position and You'd be like Arsenal, you know. People talk about Arsenal did really well last season, but people forget they didn't have European football. Yeah, and I would like to regularly remind you, Gooners, who happen to be listening to this, you didn't have European football, and then you lost out to Spurs to for the Champions League position. Um, That's hilarious. And yeah, I'm just going to keep reminding them of that on a regular basis every time they talk about their buying Telemans. But um, beyond trolling an entirely different fan base. Um, you know, Spurs actually, oddly enough, um, speaking of fan bases, we can wind up 
um, you know, they had the season where they didn't buy that notorious, oh, we didn't buy anyone. And they went ahead and went to be Champions League finalists. And I know, to be honest, that was one of the worst Champions League finals I've ever watched. I would say, the one thing I want to say about Team Cohesion, we generally it's good. I think it means having a squad who's been together all pre-season with the base of last season. I think it will mean we can come out strong. It will mean that our team will be very well gelled. The one thing I worry about is with our set-piece defence being such a mentality thing. I was saying one thing that could really help is to move a couple of players on and just bring a new player, a couple of new players in who will come in without that fear of set-pieces and who can really defend set-pieces and make everyone think we're fine because we've got that guy. Go, Mab. Yeah, I'm on the set piece, I was just going to say, um, the we do we have a set piece coach. Apparently, the only thing that's holding up is that a visa issues. Yeah. So we are we are hiring a set piece coach, which is good. It seems to be the thing. I don't know if we're going to level. Spurs have hired, not to like make it about another team, but Spurs have hired a banker, if I remember reading correctly, a banker who's then turned analysts for set pieces, and he is, you know, he is like the guru on set pieces and has. You know, massive computers that calculate things. I, I don't think we're going to get that kind of level, but we would be good. I think just to have someone do it. I think where Colo Torre and and Rogers have been good about going forward. I think when it's come to set pieces, it's just been very evident that we've run out of ideas. We've yeah. we've gone man marking, we've gone mixed, we've gone zonal again. A big problem yeah. was that I think Rogers said it a few times. It's like our players just aren't winning their duels. They're not just they're just not being aggressive. It's like. You watched it. You you watch players just watch the ball come in. It's like sh- they must be coached to jump and go for that ball, but they're not doing it, and that's it. For me psychological problems more than. There's got to be an element of bravery there, isn't there? Some people really just were not putting their heads in in the air, which is why I was a bit sad that we didn't get someone like Tarkowski. Yeah. Obviously, would have been great. He would have been brilliant. I mean, him. He would have been the Maguire hole that we're missing. He would have come um, in and in that said, regard. "Look, set pieces are easy. You just do this. Watch me." And that I mean, on he, its own yeah. can turn the rest of the team around a bit on it. Yeah, and it's a confidence thing, and that that hindered us going forward. But if you look at our numbers yet last season, we scored as many goals as as Man United. I said it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for the fact we conceded as almost as many. Um, we were also one of the only few teams to have a positive goal difference. I think we were out of the top eight. We were one of the only seven of the top eight to to have positive um, to positive uh, goal difference. I think it was Man United, weirdly, who had a negative goal difference. But yeah, it's just about our defence. And if we do do transfers, it has to be defence and it has to be the right defenders. I don't want us to do another, oh shit, we need someone to, for depth, get a Vestergaard in or, you know. And I feel like I've been quite mean to Vestergaard. He is quite good. His distribution is on point. Mm. I If you've watched his games, he is, he is precision artillery when it comes to play, booting that ball. What gets him is speed, and when you're playing a high line, you can't have someone who's plodding along. You know, I've seen very few defenders who make Harry Kane look fast, and he managed to do that. Um, you know, and that's not no discredit to Harry Kane. Harry Kane doesn't use speed. Harry Kane uses strength and precision and power. <laughs> that's just his game. I, but, I can't stand Harry Kane. I can't stand him. I, I'm, uh, like, especially as a Leicester supporter, I just can't. Like, he just did not... Show us a little bit. How do we feel about next season? What are we targeting? I think top half finish. I think I think we can challenge for seventh. I think without European football, we 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 just need to 
put all hands to the pumps and really go for it. I think on top of that, with some a lot of players like Soyun Shu, their last season in their hands. Now we're obviously worried we won't get the money for it, but you know you've got a player who's now motivated to to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, Soyun Shu's gonna want to get signed up by a good team. He's gonna be a free agent and Whilst being a free agent means, oh, they don't buy from Leicester. If you've had a shit season with us, people are going to be like, well, you had a shit season with Leicester. And even if you are free, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it. Yeah. You know, he's going to want to, he's like, he wants to play European sides. And if you get that and we manage to pull European sides, we might see ourselves in a top six position, maybe disrupting again, potentially, maybe even top seven. And if we do that, I reckon we can get some people to put pen to paper, re sign up, and the project might continue and hopefully maybe in January we, we get like the odd really you know um, odd play that we might sell off I do think we need to sell off a few more players yeah. but yeah this team this team is capable of a top half finish I like to see that and I like us to see at least quarterfinals in both cups competitions at least I do you want my two cents I, I'm gonna get to go a little higher I actually think that if we have all the bright players and we are all healthy, I believe we'll be a top five team and we'll make Europa League. I think, I have a feeling, I think like if we have no caps or Michael, I bet you we're going to have, like, I believe if the goalkeeper can, if whoever our goalkeeper is, is going to play up to the, to the area. I think the team's going to have a lot of good wins that people are not going to expect and they will go. But if they don't, I think the lowest I could see them being is ninth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, top seven is going to get harder. So I think Newcastle are going to be more competitive than they were last season. I so I'm in two minds about Newcastle. So Newcastle is, you know, it's very comparable to Man City. I think people forget that Man City actually took quite a few seasons to build it, and they're in what season two of getting you know the kind of money and investment, you know, and Eddie Howe. Not to be mean to Eddie Howe, but Eddie Howe is not Pep Guardiola. Oh, without a doubt. He's he also plays a very physical game. And I don't know if Newcastle are just basically gonna become an expensive Burnley. <laughs> um, um you know, and he, he's, they do. If you watch their game, that's what defeated us was they just out they just outmuscled us. Yeah, I mean did. that that goal, they just outmuscled us, and that's what Eddie and Eddie Howe did that at Bournemouth. He he's just a physical he relies on physicality a lot, and you could see that in the team and I, I I don't know. I'm not so certain Newcastle have a coherent strategy like Newcastle. Uh, sorry, Man City have a very clear strategy about how they play, and they have a lot of sister clubs around the world, and they all have a clear I- football identity. I think at Newcastle United, I think they're now kind of getting additional scorn that was actually probably reserved for Man City. I don't think they'll be that good. I think they'll do that. I think Brentford will suffer from second season syndrome, yep. and. Also, people talk about, oh, Leicester's not made a signing. Brighton, whilst they've signed, I think they've signed someone, they're selling a lot of their key players and they're not replacing them, are they? I don't, you know, and uh, Graham Potter will do well with them. I think there's a lot of ripe opportunity in that mid-table. I think people will be worried about will be West Ham, Crystal Palace, and uh, I'm not really sure yet. Those I, are the two that keep, come to mind. I do feel i think last season and the season before we dropped too many points against mid-table teams we should have beaten um but uh, of the teams ahead of us manchester city liverpool chelsea tottenham hotspur arsenal manchester united west ham united which of those teams are we overtaking 
I think if there's a weak link in the top six, it is, um, it's got to be Arsenal. And I say that, and not just because I like winding up their fan base. I, always, I they genuinely didn't have European football, and now they've signed a bunch of new players. So you've got new players who don't work, you haven't worked with each other that much. Bar the preseason, I know. I think it was it Gabriel Jesus had quite a good preseason um, from what I skimmed on a few things, and you know, but. And Arsenal, they're going about, yeah, but they're now going to have the workload we had. And yeah. I, you know, they, they struggled with no European football last season, with quite a young squad. And I, I think what's quite irritating is Arteta's not very good at taking responsibility for his team. He, he was kind of blaming officials, blaming other people, you know, you know. And he's supposed to be a student of Pep, and Pep and... Klopp, I mean, whilst they all complain in their own right, as, as much as any manager really, but they they do take ownership and I feel like Arteta doesn't, and I think that translates to the team They complain well. quite tactically don't they, Pep and Klopp? They do. I like, yeah, you they know really when they're do. complaining, it's not just them running their mouths, it's like they're trying to make things happen with their complaints. Like if they complain, referees are letting people be too physical with their players, they, they know that that will influence other referees thinking in the future a little bit. Yeah, and I know that there's a little bit of like Fergie-esque mind games with with officials. And a bit to be honest, Arsenal have a strong in with the FA. I mean, yeah. it's the only reason a lot of their players are end up in the England squad. So, not- who else are we finishing ahead of though? Arsenal. Then do do we think Manchester United seem to have strengthened? I don't. I actually don't. I don't like. I don't like Manchester United. I could see Leicester being going again. Over Man United this year, I was thinking that when you were talking, I think Man United's gonna have a bad down year this year. I I think it's all I think United Man United it's all about Ronaldo, and when I say it's all about Ronaldo, I mean he he's he could potentially be a bit of a grey cloud, and actually I think they'd be better rid of him. I think United have shackled themselves to an egomaniac who I can only compare to the likes of Homelander from The Boys. <laughs> um. <laughs> if you haven't seen that, he's not exactly the most lovable character, even if he is the leading character for who they... for the group of his siblings. Oh, actually, looking at this, they've brought in Ericsson, Malaysia, Martinez. Yeah, but they've been bringing in... Man United have been bringing in talent for years, oh, and they're still... Lost... They lost... Pereira, Levitt, Henderson, Lingard, Mata, Pogba, all gone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... But they've had lots of talent, but United don't... You, and I think this is where like Spurs are clearly now getting better. I think Spurs will be top four, and that's not just me trying to get good in with the wife here. You know, this is... <laughs> you know, honestly, you know, they've got a clear director of football. Yeah. I think before that, the owner got too involved in the football, which he just shouldn't have. They needed that director of football. And Man United need to follow suit. You know, obviously, we're now kind of talking more broad strokes about various teams, but Man United... They they're just going to suffer because you see it's a bit it reminds me a bit of England during the golden generation lots of talent no coordination. When you look at their sign, signings and stuff, you know they've sent they've got rid of Bergwijn who they've brought in Perisic that's a good signing. Bissouma I think has been good for Brighton. Richarlison is a good was. I he's I don't mean to interrupt. Bissouma is really good for Brighton. All the games I watched with Brighton this year. He was top notch. Yeah, I mean, but they're losing Basuma and Quilicello. That's what I was saying about Brighton. Yeah. They, 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 you know, everyone, you know, was it three, five, three, eight? Thinks they're going to finish above us. I'm like, unless they're going to bring in some good signings, they are losing them and potentially their keeper as well. 
So uh, kind of general idea then is we think kind of the edges of the European spots is probably realistic for us, though. I think best of the rest is definitely still the aim. Um, I think anything above... I think ninth would be or lower would be a failure. Yeah, I think you want to be acceptable. You want to move forwards. I, I think we should be in Europe next season, one way or another. Well, we haven't been lower than ninth since before Puel. For, I mean, a lot of people complained about him, but we did get ninth. Yeah, at least each season with him. On and since then, we have. And I think, yeah, we have to be eight for higher. Um, I'm also interested to see how West Ham do. West Ham have brought in a lot of players and stuff. Um, they spent a lot of money, and I can see them in a similar position that we are now in the year if they do not get European football. I don't know how much money West Ham have spent. I'm just looking at their ins and outs. So I've looked it up on transfer market. They've spent about 81 million, so 80, so just 82 million if you round it up. And they've sold about 20 million. So we've talked about a net spend of 60 million. But for a mid-table club, that's still quite a lot of money. Well, we say they're mid-table. They did finish seventh. Yeah, I would, to be honest, and not to be mean to us, we're still a mid-table team. I, and I say this because unless you start, you know, yeah, we got European football two seasons in a row, yeah. which we're the only mid-table club to have done that. We're still quite mid-table. The only other team that got to you know multiple seasons you know we forget that spurs took a long what? time to get there didn't they? they took a long time to get into champions league they they were constantly europa which is kind of what we wanted really i think i part of me and i know this seems a bit twisted part of me was happy that we didn't quite get champions league i was in, in two minds you know obviously i want it because it's extra money prestige and the games and the things but we if we had done champions league last season let's say it was the season we finally did it we would have been whomped. We would have been absolutely yeah, last ripped season, to shreds. Just, just with our injury list, we wouldn't have been able to... Is, if we'd been fully fit last season, I think we would have been able to give it a decent shot, probably have transferred down to the Europa League, depending on how favourable our group draw was. Yeah. But yeah, I think general season, I think eight for higher, anything less would be a failure. Um, he did it's fully capable... And I like I said, I think we should go in for a cup. I'd actually like for us to go for the League Cup. I think there's been a few times where we could... I think that'd be the easier of the cups, and I think it would be good if we do it start off strong. If we got that League Cup, yeah, I think that would... I think it just... I know it's kind of... You know, people got almost a tin pot of the three, but or the four, if you include the Community Shield. Um, we count the Community uh, Shield. We won that last season. We do. It's technically a Super Cup. It's a UEFA Super Cup, which in most... It is. In, in other countries where they have a Super Cup, it's quite prestigious, but it's just because the history of the Community Shield is it's a charity game, or typically is a charity oh, yeah. game. Been a charity game. Uh, they, sh they, should, uh, they should give a Champions League place to the Community Shield. Just just saying, you know, for next time we win it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, but, I mean, we got to host it, I think, kind of de facto for it. But, you know, that League Cup, I think that's 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 a fair competition. I mean, the FA Cup is just that bit hard. Also, but obviously us winning it the one season, you know, which was amazing. Um, I genuinely gobsmacked about it still now. Um, I uh, I think the FA Cup is a lot harder. It is a lot. I harder. think yeah, well, it we, is a lot we've harder. We won the win. League Cup twice. Well, I think the League Cup probably was easier to win when Man City didn't try in it. Yeah, <laughs> I was a bit disappointed when West Ham knocked them out because then it was a bit of an open competition, wasn't it? Yeah, but then. And then it was Chelsea Liverpool, which is just a bit, you know, a bit samey. The final for the League Cup being 
you're quite early in the season. It's often in like March, isn't it? It might be April this season. I can't remember exactly when it is. It gives, I think you're right. Yeah. It gives you a good like. We've got some trophies this season. Let's go and give this end of the season a proper good run. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think last thing because we've been going for a bit of time now. Shall we talk a bit about Brentford? First game of the season. They look like they've had a bit of a torrid preseason. They beat Boreham Wood. Then they lost to Stuttgart, drew against Strasbourg, got beat 4-0 by Wolfsburg. And um, it looks like they've pulled it back a bit at the end, beating Brighton, uh, beating Brighton and beating Real Bretis. Actually, I think I saw something about them. They beat Arsenal in a behind-closed-doors friendly, although that's not on their YouTube channel. No, so I suspect it won't. And some of these and the closed door games are like proper send out the academy products. They won't be full fledged first teamers. I think it'll be people who desperately just need game time. One thing um, that did really amuse me looking through the YouTube highlights, although I didn't watch the match, I just like pulled the results from there. Was that every single title ends with an exclamation mark except for Wolfsburg for Brentford nil. Which is just called preseason highlights, no exclamation mark. I found that quite funny. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I have a, just looking at the list here. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think with Brentford, Brentford, I'm curious. So it's their second season in the Premier League, and we all know about second season syndrome. Yep. You know, they yeah. they've had a few changes, but there's no been remarkable signings. It's just been that, like I said, they, uh, um, as I've said before, they 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 had similar issues to us. You know, it's their their attack is fine. Ivan Tony, if they ever were to get relegated, Ivan Tony would get snapped up by a Premier League side quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. He's homegrown. Plus, he's clearly. I think if we didn't have Daka, I definitely think Ivan Tony would have been a good potential successor to Vardy. Um, oh, mm-hmm. he would have been amazing. Yeah, he's definitely got that kind of poacher quality and that physicality and that kind of. Uh, you know, um, shithousery that uh, only really Vardy kind of brings in. But then I have to admit, he's the kind of last of a generation not to go all wax lyrical. He's sort of the last of a, of a certain generation of football, isn't he? But going more about Brentford, yeah, the Bees, obviously second season, a bit of a torrid time. To be fair, the sides they're going up against, Wolfsburg, Champions League, you know, regular European yeah. players, Stuttgart, Stuttgart is sort of team. mid-table. Yeah, although yeah, Bundesliga is not, you know, not uncompetitive. Well, it's not uncompetitive. I have to not to not to upset any potential German listeners, but I have to admit, Bundesliga is probably the least competitive, bar the French League one. Well, in the top sort of five, I sides. saw the Bundesliga play. I actually touched the Bundesliga cup and the trophy because they had a match in Philadelphia, and I think it was Juventus versus Bundesliga. And I gotta tell you, they, they have no defense. I was watching that game, and I was like, dude, these people. Like, what are they doing? It was like, it was like the only person I really, like, all it was was offense, 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 and then their defense just was lacking. There was no aggressiveness and such. Interesting. They just, they don't, I just never liked the Bundesliga. I never got into it. I don't think I ever will. It's just something I don't like. And sorry to go off track about that, but I, to go back with Brentford, I, I actually can see, um, I could actually see us losing this game with Brentford because. There is one thing that I believe when it comes to these games and such is that sometimes these second clubs, second um, team clubs, go hardcore in the first like month of their uh, campaign. Mm. And I could see Brentford just going out full force against the teams they're playing. Cause, and like they're going to want to play all these teams. Like They're going to want to beat Leicester. They're going to want to beat West Ham. 
they they're gonna go hard, they're gonna go into it, and I could see us losing a couple of these games for that. But then again, I can see us winning if we, if if Brentford doesn't have that like like thing. I mean, look, remember last year that Brentford almost beat Ars- beat Arsenal the first game of the season. Yeah, did they not? Hang on, did they not actually beat Arsenal that game? They did. Yeah. They did. I just had a stutter. Okay. Screwed up. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I was going to say, I actually for the for the using similar logic to yourself, Philly. I actually think we will win this because I think they'll, they'll come at us. Well, we're at home, so obviously we'll have to. We'll be more pressure to push them. But they, you know, Frank. Oh, I forget the manager's full name, but Frank. There, he he likes to play his attacking football. Where I think Brentford gets that edge, and I think it's better than trying to sit back. The only manager I've seen who relies on sitting back and has managed to survive multiple seasons was Sean Dyke of you know when he was at Burnley you know love it or hate it they Burnley did a lot better than they probably should have for a very very long time um and yeah but anyways that's, that's a whole different conversation but with Brentford yeah the yeah I said I think it could be a win um I think we just have to stay focused do our game just be solid at the back I hope to see an Evans Fafana pairing or at least a Soyuncu Fafana pairing and yeah, just ready to go. And I think, I think we'll do it. It's because scoring goals is an issue. It's conceding, so um, it could end up being a bit of a goal fest. But I think there'll definitely be goals. I think we like. I think we'll have the edge over them because we also forget Brentford don't have Ericsson this season. Ericsson's really good, really good for them as well. Um, he, he was. was so they have brought in. He. So if there's one player they brought in that worries me, well, there's there's a couple maybe. I think they brought in. Damsgaard as a Ericsson replacement, maybe? Did that actually He's a bit... Through? I think he's more of a winger, so yeah. I, I don't know if it's official, but yeah, Damsgaard was a bit of a winger. He was quite good at the Euros, the uh, the men's Euros, and, you know, obviously... Uh, yeah, uh, it would be interesting to see how he translates, because he plays currently in uh, is it Italian football. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like, yeah, that hasn't happened yet. That's rumored to happen yeah we'll have to see and we'll have to see if he's because it's like the italian football it's because italian football is whilst obviously british football is quite physical italian is in a sort of very different way you know the famous italian defending is while the ref isn't looking the old, oh, yeah. the old stamp on the eye and stuff like that it's a little it's a little more uh it's a little uh you know more indirect than than we are um but you know, it's quite a physical side. Some can step up and really fill in, you know, really get into it, and some can't. And, you know, I look at the likes of um, Lukaku was brilliant. You know, his physicality really dominated there, but he didn't need the speed. He just needed to be really present and physical in the box, and he did really well at Inter. And now, and then when he came here, didn't translate. So we'll have to see. Dam's God, obviously very good during the Euros, um, which is what the most I've seen. But mm-hmm. if he manages to get signed, he did score against England. Thank you for that. <laughs> you know, thank you for that. I mean, we won the game, but he made it scary. He did make it scary because I it did that started feeling like a classic England, you know, uh, going to pop. Yeah, um, I've brought in Ben Mee, who in my head is one of those players who we we tend to screw up against. He's kind of plays against some of our weaknesses a bit, doesn't he? Ben Mee, maybe. Well, Ben Mee, I think people forget, used to be at Leicester, didn't he? Oh yeah, he was. He was on loan from Manchester City to us in the. He was. It was a very short. Twenty eleven. So he left the think... season. <laughs> really? 
I didn't even know that. Yeah, so he he was on loan to us, and he didn't really. I think he had a handful of ex, um, appearances, and basically, let's just list off players who played for us in the championship uh, and have scored against us: uh, Lingard, Harry Kane. Um, oh. Yeah, um, there's a lot of players who came to us in the championship era who did not have the greatest of times. And I do think Ben Mee gets a bit, is one of these players like Lingard, like Harry Kane, who get that little bit more motivated when they come to the King Power because of you know, how Nigel treated them and stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Um, but, yeah, I, with Brentford, I think we should be winning it, but it could go either way. I'm, I'm going to lean towards a win. Yeah, I think this is a game we will be winning. I mean, we've beat Brentford the last four times we've played them. Yeah, right? I mean... We beat them yeah. 2-1 both matches last year, and then we've put them out of the FA Cup two years in a row. Right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a game I'm going into confident about. I'm not overly worried about Ben Mee, to be honest. I think he is a player who can play against our weaknesses. But then again, he'll be quite physical in the box, but he's also quite slow. I mean, yeah, and he's but he doesn't seem to pop up with as many goals as he did in my head when I look at his Wikipedia stats. No, I think he's, he can turn up for a game. I don't think he scores a lot against us, but I mean, that was more Chris Wood. I think you might be yes. mistaken for Chris Wood. Another one from uh, our championship days who has a penchant for scoring against yeah, us. Yeah, I was thinking of Chris um, Wood. How did I do that? They're both... They're, you, I, I will give you that it is all white boys look alike. They're both blonde, yeah. tall, muscular men. They're, they're very similar looking from a glance. Um, but yeah, no, it is probably Chris Wood you're thinking of. But yeah, Ben yeah. Mee... I, he, and this goes back to my point, but... Brentford suffer from similar defensive headaches as we do, and uh, we actually could do a Ben Mee character. Ben Mee was obviously quite obviously a formidable partner with Tarkowski, who would have been my preferred of the two um, if I had a choice. But yeah, Ben Mee, very physical, something that they lacked, and I think they used to get a bit bullied off the ball. Um, but also, I think Brentford struggled with the pace, where Brentford will... I think if Brentford score early, we'll make our lives very difficult. If we can hold them out for the first half, they seem to they seem to struggle later in the games because they bring a lot of speed and physicality, but in terms of quality of athletes on their team, we will beat them. Yeah. And, you know, if you're on a Rogers side, you're, it's a running side. You go, you can't play on, on a Rogers football team without being able to have stamina. And that's yeah. been quite well marked, regardless wherever he's been at Celtic, and Liverpool. We, we yeah. do seem to have been improving our performances against sides who are a bit physical as well over, over the last... You saw it like the later stage of the last Premier League season. I think you saw it over our preseason to an extent. Um, I think, you know, I, I really do think this is a game where we can hold the ball, we can break them down. They're not a team who will just sit back and play really defensive either. I think they will try and press us and win the ball and will try to attack us at speed. And actually, I think that could work. That will work to our advantage. Yeah, true. If the, with the speed, you could think about like they're. With the, the problem with fast things is that, yeah, you might be able to get the ball down quicker and score, but it also just makes a lot of errors on the players if, like, someone, like, slows down a bit. So if, if we can play them very, like, gritty in a certain sense, we would be able to probably stop a lot of attacks because of mishap balls. Yeah, I mean, their natural finisher will be Ivan Tony. If we can make cut-off service to him and just keep the high press, then... 
we should be good. And, you know, so if we have Fafana and he's fighting yeah. fit, that he should be able to man mark him out. Fafana's rapid. Like, it's one of those 1v1s. Yes, Ivan Tony is probably Brentford's best player. Um, but he's the best, the best attacker, surely. Yeah, yeah. okay. He's, he's without doubt their best attacker. And honestly, I don't see him winning that 1v1 duel against Fafana. I don't. I, I agree with you. I think he, Fafana's. I think Fafana's so underrated, and I'm hoping like he gets the respect he deserves in the French national league soon, the national team yeah. soon. But Fafana is Fafana. Like that was a big player we missed last year, which is why I had the belief that like that we will go for it. I think Fafana is going to be able to drill some players uh, away from the ball, and then that he'll be able to get the ball down the field as if it's nothing. I think he's so underrated for this team. The only other thing I would mention is the only um the other player that I think no is actually their keeper. David Rayo was good, quite yeah. a formidable keeper. He is yeah he is. I'm not saying I would replace him at our our team, but he 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 stood out for me. Uh and there was a few times that he actually sort of um Made me really think. Oh God! Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is going to be a tougher I, game. You know, I think so, the games we won, we should have actually scored more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it had not to mention him. he's not to mention David Rea is getting big with the Spanish team. He's just played as one of his first matches for them. See, I didn't know that, but I'm not too surprised. He clearly showed up for Brentford, and obviously they're they're laughing to the bank with him. I think you know, if he if he's still on form, they'll be laughing. Yeah, he had to, he was just phenomenal. He really didn't. He was great for them. Brentford will be if they had if they were in, if they didn't lose Eckerson, I could really see them being like maybe ten in the league this year. But that was just that was a all. poll on I their do... subreddit says their fans think they'll finish between fifteenth and seventeenth. Or Brentford, yeah. really? I think they're not as confident. I, I think... But yeah, I can see Brentford definitely finishing top of the bottom half if that makes sense. I think they'll survive. Oh, I think yeah. they'll survive. I think they'll survive. I think they'll, they're good uh, enough to stay in the Premier League, definitely. Um, I think they'll survive. So I, I, scoreline I, predictions. 2-1. Just, yeah. just feels like a 2-1. Really? It feels like a 2-1. Yeah, I think it'll... I would... Yeah, go on. I, I would agree with you, but I would, I'll go 3-1. You'll go 3-1. Three, three, one. One. I'll go 3-1 just to have a difference. I would, I would mostly say 2-1. I, I have two more two face now. in our defence that I'm going to say 2-0. Oh, clean sheet! Yeah, to yeah. Season, that would be. No, I. If we start off the season with a clean sheet, that would be very nice. And I, and I don't mean a nil-nil clean sheet, like a proper, a proper we've won clean yeah, sheet. Yeah. Um, that would be good. I think that would be amazing. Especially I think, like, if we sell smart Schmeichel, that will definitely solidify any incoming you know, goalie, wobbles. Yeah. yeah. Just a sorry for a stupid question. Who would be our goalkeeper? Was Michael gone? Ward, I Ward. think. I couldn't figure yeah. it out. Wood. Danny Ward. Ward. Oh, do I love Danny that. Ward? He's so guy. good for Wales. He, he is. is so good. I just want him to lose badly when he plays the United States in the <laughs> World Cup this November. Oh dear! And, oh, yeah. and the World Cup's going to be interesting. Oh, we're going to play each other. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God. I can't wait. Oh I'll, I'll make sure to I'll make sure the roast you guys in the chat. <laughs> oh, <dear>. I'm sure <laughs> you will. Oh. I'm going to wear. I'm gonna send like a whole. I'm gonna make the whole most American outfit possible and get banned from the Discord. <laughs> um, I'll just like yeah. spend the last like couple of minutes, maybe. Did we watch the European mm. Championship final? What did people think about that? I did. The Euros, and it it came home against Germany at Wembley again. It did, and it was. I I think it was sweet revenge. You know, I think the women one one of the first women's Euros was uh, a six. Was it a 6-2 defeat to Germany? So it was nice to see that revenge. Yeah. 
it, it was good. Um, I liked how the women played. It was very quick. It was, it was very attacking, which I loved. It was very attacking. They played through the lines, which is what um, I God, I should, I can't recall the manager's name off the top of my That's head. Serena V. She obviously. That's exactly it, and she, she, you could clearly see that she's imposed her style of playing. It worked well with the team, and I think it was just a bit of belief. Um, my personal favorite highlight, which I think was a lot of people's highlight, was um, oh dear, I, I was not, it wasn't Toon. Who was it? The, um, who the, said you fucking prick? Oh, um, Jill Scott. Jill Scott, yes, Jill Scott. Jill yeah. Scott, Jill Scott swearing at the yeah, at that player. I mean, honestly, Ella Toon's goal was great. Chloe Kelly's goal was scrappy, but she scored the fight, the winner in a final at extra time for her nation. In front after of, an ACL injury, in front that of she a, only just came back and yeah, and all that in front of a sold out Wembley. That's what dreams are made of. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. But that was always going to be scrappy. I mean, the Germans were playing for penalties yeah. when they, they before even before we even got into extra time, they were playing for penalties, and, and, which is. Yeah, our shithousery in the last eleven minutes was utterly gorgeous to watch. I, I, you know, I, I don't like to do the comparison between the men's and the women's, but I do actually think that we could definitely take the men's team could definitely take a leaf out of the women's oh, yeah. about the shithousery. Yeah, yeah, they were so on form for it. I think the one thing that, re- that I found remarkable in the Euros. Now I didn't watch a lot of games, so I'm not going to be like I watched every game and all this, but more remarkable, and I find this in women's football. These women do not give a shit. They are physical. They are. It's, they are like they are physical. It's a great thing. I, I agreed. I'm glad someone actually said that because I was when I was watching the United States play because uh because like I'm, I love the United States women's national team. I was so shocked when I was watching how brutal some of these women were with like the slide kicks. I was like like it was a, it was like people were like sitting back like Jesus. These people were more have more like power than the american national team for the guys and the weird people are laughing but like i it's weird like you just it's incredible it's incredible how physical they are yeah absolutely so i know for goal of the season i know a lot of people are saying that back heel was was that was was the best one but you know what i really liked the winner against spain georgia stanway's goal against that's it yeah and tune tune has been amazing i mean um, if I was Toon, I hopefully, I would have, I, I would have tongue in cheek message Harry Kane and be like, "That's how you do it." <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, just, it's, I, it's a little tongue in cheek. Hopefully, he would take it well. So I, I actually, for, obviously, from a club football point of view, obviously Harry Kane, he's the bane of our existence. But from an England point of view, he's he's immense for us, and anyone who denies that is just a fool. Is a fool. I, even if you don't like England, even if you don't like Harry Kane or both. You can't deny the man fucking scores. If that man, oh, Eric Kane's a goat. He he is, and it's it's a, it's it's astonishing that he hasn't won anything. Um, but we could talk about that entirely different. But you know, let's bring this to the women because the women won this, right? They, they were amazing. They they really stuck together, and they showed some real grit. I mean, that was the second or third game that went to extra time, and they found the winner. It's the second didn't let it get the penalties. It was the second. Sorry, I thought that might have been the third the game they did. But, game yeah. for England, anyway. Right, um, that might have been another game. I, if I remember too, like in England was just dominant this whole World Cup. They were they had like that eight one, right? Uh, eight nil. They had the eight zero. Yeah, game. that was eight funny. Nil, yeah. It came off. We beat Austria one nil, and there's a lot of criticism over they're not clinical enough. If they're only scoring one goal against Austria, how do you think they'll do against Norway, who are a much better team? Answer: Eight goals against Norway. 
five against um, Northern oh, Ireland. I'm looking. At Although, and then they beat Spain, and then, who's won the tower house. Yeah, and then we went... I, well, I think Spain women aren't to the same extent as the men, but... I thought they were good. They're a good team. Things, I think if you looked at it, we were one of the lowest ranked teams in terms of FIFA rankings to make it through to the next round. Um, I think only Austria, yeah. only Austria were ranked below us, who had a fantastic competition, beating Norway as well. Uh, but yeah, we went behind against Spain, and that was the real test of mentality. I think once we once we come back to beat Spain, that's the moment you think where where like those three games were not that hard. This is a challenging game, and we've overcome the challenge. And now the road opens and we beat Sweden, ranked two in the world. 4-0, made it look easy. Yeah, I think, well, first off, FIFA rankings are bullshit. It's like Dragon Ball Z power levels. They just become meaningless after a while. Like This is what Belgium in the men's football have been number one for ages, but they're now like they're slowly turning into the spurs of the international stage keep like having the talent and the ability just never seem to win anything um and yeah like i said we we were one of the lower ranked ones but i think we showed some really grit and the manager has been a huge part of that and i really what i hope is that that spurs more interest in in the women's super league and gets more money into the women's game and i hope people will heed things like uh, gary lineker calling for for fees to be scrapped women should not have to pay to play football we should be paying them to play and they should be brought into the academy system just like the boys and the men are that is all for this week so I'd like to thank um, Madlock and Philly and we will be back next week after the Brentford game to preview the game after that one and talk about that and we will probably be somewhat shorter that time around so have a good week. Enjoy the Brentford game. If you can go, let us know how it was in the crowd. If you can't um, watch it live, then make sure you catch the highlights on match today. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Music in this podcast was written by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Find information about that at http colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by, that's by, forward slash 4.0. Also used was Elf Meditation. Buy it, Kevin McLeod in Competech.com, also licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. You can find information about at http colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. Guests on this podcast were Philly Blue Army, Madlock UK, and H2G2. For more and to contact us, please go to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash lcfc or to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash lcfc women. We are a fan podcast. We are not affiliated to or sponsored by Let's